welcome to this week's audio digest of the Evening Times. From Friday the 9th to Thursday the 15th of November 2018, led by volunteers at Peer Review Print Speaking to the Blind at our studios in the Bishop Briggs Media Centre. The headlines in part one. Nicola Sturgeon said she wouldn't put money on May remaining in power. Call for Glass Regions to be banned from buying fireworks. Armistice Centenary. Clouds over George Square as Glasgow remembers lost generation of World War One. Govan Toy Bank launches Christmas Appeal and we're expecting huge demand due to Universal Credit. Spartak Moscow 4, Rangers 3. Stephen Gerrard said lose 7 goal thriller in Moscow. Dominic Raab quits as Brexit Secretary in major blow to Theresa May. This article from the Evening Times online. Celtic 2, RB Leipzig 1, 5 things we learned. Derek Johnston. Rangers players are seeing the other side of life at Ibrox after a difficult week. Stephen Robinson reckons referee Craig Thompson was conned in Motherwell's defeat to Rangers. West End Bar announces shock closure with heavy heart. Revamp plans for Glasgow's historic High Street and Salt Market get go-ahead. The Evening Times on Thursday, the 15th of November 2018. News. Nicola Sturgeon said she wouldn't put money on May remaining in power. This article from the Evening Times online. The First Minister has said she wouldn't put money on Theresa May being in number 10 by the time the UK leaves the EU. It comes as the Prime Minister is braced for a furious backlash from Tory Brexiteers over the withdrawal agreement's contents. Ms Sturgeon had voiced her dissatisfaction with the deal, but has now gone on to say that Ms May could lose her position by March 29th. She told ITV's Peston programme, The Prime Minister has proved to be resilient over the last months, so let's not count her out in that respect. I thought her language about the collective decision of the Cabinet, not a unanimous decision, said something. I thought her body language looked very shaky, and I wouldn't rule out Cabinet resignations tonight. I cannot see how she gets this deal through the House of Commons. Ms Sturgeon has likened the deal to being blackmailed into a choice between the frying pan or the fire, claiming it posed a threat to jobs. In a phone call with the Prime Minister after the Cabinet meeting, she had rejected Mrs May's assertion that Scotland's interests had been protected in the deal. I pointed out that there isn't a single mention of Scotland in the agreement, that it disregards our interests and puts Scotland at a serious competitive disadvantage, she said. However, Scottish Secretary David Mundell said it would be worse for Scotland to crash out with no agreement, so he was happy to give it his backing. Ms Sturgeon said, It's obvious that the Prime Minister can barely unite her cabinet on this deal, and it is also increasingly clear that she will struggle to get a majority for it in Parliament. In these circumstances, it's more important than ever that we are not faced with a false choice between a bad deal and no deal. No one should be effectively blackmailed into a choice between the frying pan or the fire. The proposed deal would be a bad one for Scotland, taking us out of a single market eight times the size of the UK market alone and posing a huge threat to jobs, investment and living standards. If this deal is indeed rejected by Parliament, then the UK government must return to the negotiating table to secure a better one. Our bottom line, short of continued EU membership, is continued permanent membership of the Single Market and Customs Union. 
Mrs May described the debate around the famous cabinet table as long, detailed and impassioned, in an apparent indication that her proposals had come under intense challenge from ministers. Predicted resignations did not materialise, as Mrs May said ministers had come to a collective decision to back the document agreed by UK and EU negotiators in Brussels. The Cabinet's agreement clears the way for a special Brexit summit in Brussels, probably on November the 25th, for EU leaders to approve the deal, followed by a crucial Commons vote in which MPs will hold Britain's future in their hands. Mrs May said she will outline the deal to MPs in the House of Commons on Thursday. Mr Mundell said, The worst possible outcome for Scotland and the whole of the UK would be a no-deal departure from the EU. Meanwhile, Scottish Greens Europe spokesman Ross Greer, MSP, said, This is a bad deal for Scotland. Holyrood should debate it and reject it as soon as possible. Scottish Labour leader Richard Leonard said, This is a bad deal for the country. Labour has been clear from the beginning that we need a deal to support jobs and the economy, one that guarantees standards and protections. The Tories have let down the country with their bungled negotiations and pushed Britain towards a bad deal that will harm jobs, rights and living standards. The deal undermines the integrity of the UK and would be another example of the Tories playing into the hands of the SNP by putting the future of the UK at risk through their ineptitude and recklessness. Ruth Davidson and David Mundell threatened to resign if the integrity of the UK was put at risk, and it appears Theresa May has simply ignored them. This article was from the Evening Times Online. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know somebody who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet radio, where our daily podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF, you need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of 8, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk, and remember, when setting up the player, ask for the Cune Review channels. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article from the Evening Times, 2nd November 2018. Call for Glass Regions to be banned from buying fireworks. Councillor Paul Kerry claimed the number of incidents of misuse of fireworks is on the rise and believes shops should be stopping send selling the items to the general public. Instead, the Drum Chapel representative has called on Glasgow City Council to ban pop-up firework retailer and urged the Scottish Government to introduce legislation forbidding punters from purchasing. His call comes after he claims a group of youths approached him outside Rob Royston's shop last week and asked him to buy devices on her behalf. He told the Evening Times that I've called for a ban on fireworks for the last couple of years, but I really believe that now is the time for Scottish Government to work with the UK Government to ban the sales given the fact that over the last number of years the incidence of fireworks being misused has grown. I am now asking the supermarkets to lead the way on this ban by not selling them. I am also calling on Glasgow City Council and other local authorities to stop policing these temporary shops and for the council to refuse a licence for any premises that want to open temporary to sell fireworks. I am very much hoping that the Scottish Government could work with the UK Government to bring a ban to a public sale of fireworks. Police revealed last month emergency services had been targeting by folks out on bonfire night last year, 
but insisted only a small group of individuals were responsible for unacceptable behaviour. Assistant Chief Constable Paul Anderson said to assist our diversions, a range of specialist resources will be at their disposal to deal with any incidents which arise, and officers across the country are continuing to lay some relevant partners. We are working with our communities and we want people to enjoy themselves over this period, but we will take positive action against anyone participating in disorder and antisocial behaviour. A Scottish Government spokesman said legislation relating to sales of fireworks is reversed to Miss Minister. It is illegal to sell fireworks to an under-18, for under-18 to possess fireworks in public or anyone to sell fireworks in public space. Our view earlier this year by the police and fire services inspectorates found that there was no appetite in our emergency services to tighten national regulation further due to the potential risk of driving the sale of fireworks underground and compromising safety standards. We continue to engage closely with emergency services, local authorities and community safety partners on this issue. The UK government did not respond to requests for government as the Evening Times went to press. However, the council said only a change in legislation could result in the end of pop-up fireworks shops. A spokesman said there was a very limited basis on which we can act to prevent someone from selling fireworks. Operators can expect to receive a licence if they store fireworks in accordance with the National Explosive Regulations, have no relevant criminal convictions and have not previously breached the legislation. A ban on pop-up shops of general public sale of fireworks could only be achieved through a change of legislation. But there is no question that it is dangerous to misuse fireworks. We always recommend that people attend a licensed firework display rather than staging their own informal events. The Evening Times News Recorded on the 12th November 2018 Armistice Centenary. Clouds over George Square as Glasgow remembers lost generation of World War One. By Iona Turner. Clouds gathered over George Square on Sunday as hundreds of bodies filled the streets to mark the centenary of the end of the First World War. A sea of poppies accompanied by rows of shining medals surrounded the cenotaph as the city prepared to mirror the events of 100 years before when the guns fell silent on the Western Front. While military personnel, former servicemen and proud veterans lined the edges of the square, Uplifting music performed by the Lowland Band carried the parade of people which flooded in from the left-hand side of the city chambers. Watching on in admiration, generations young and old joined the military parade in poignant tribute to the 886,000 British soldiers who gave their lives in the trenches. Memories of the sacrifice given by so many accompanied an atmosphere of both pride and sadness as the people of Glasgow remembered all that had been lost in the Great War and in other conflicts that followed. Among those gathered in the square was ex-serviceman Roderick Atkin from Glasgow, whose father fought in the First World War. Roderick, who served in various regiments, donned his maroon beret as he reflected on the last time he attended the Remembrance Commemorations. He said, The last time I was here was in 1957, when I was in charge of the cadets. I served in the military for ten years and took up arms in several different regiments, including the Special Air Service. When asked about his reason for attending the memorial, tears began to fill the 77-year-old's eyes. Today I'm here with my wife, Morag, to remember my three uncles who were killed in conflict, he continued. My dad torpedoed twice, once in 1916 and once in 1917, but he survived both times. The same emotions felt by the veteran could be seen in the face of so many others. 
around the square when the city fell silent in what was a particularly moving reflection of the silence that echoed through the trenches in 1918. A prayer which touched on all of those affected by war reminded everyone in attendance that although they all may not have lost someone in the conflict, they all know an empty place at the table, a photo in an album, a name softly spoken. Wreaths were then placed on the cenotaph stone of remembrance by military representatives and were quickly covered in droplets of rain as the skies opened giving way to torrential downpour. Despite this, the crowd remained, servicemen stood proud and commemorations continued. Shoulder to shoulder, the veterans, military personnel, official representatives and people of Glasgow watched as the Guard of Honour led each regiment out onto the streets. Through the showers, ex-parachuter George Pullum made his way to the cenotaph to lay his own wreath in memory of all his fallen comrades. The 66-year-old from Springburn said, It means a lot to be here, remembering all the friends that I have lost. I have lost many, but still have the memory of all of them. 77-year-old James McGowan was left looking deep in thought in the square at the end of the service with his uncle's medal proudly on his chest. He said, I'm not a veteran, that's why I'm wearing my Uncle James McGee's medal on the opposite side. I'm here today to remember him. I've been coming to this every year since I was 12 years old. I think I've only missed six. This means a lot to be here today for the centenary. It's never going to happen again. The commemoration of George Square was just the beginning of a series of armistice events which took place across the city as Glasgow joined the entire nation in marking 100 years since the final day of one of the worst conflicts of our time. By Iona Turner this is an article from the Evening Times, 15th of November 2018. Govan Toy Bank launches Christmas appeal and we're expecting huge demand due to universal credit. The community and beyond Toy Bank helped 360 families at Christmas last year and a Glasgow Children Hospital charity, but organiser John Betty believes the collection will go even further this year. John from Govan started the collection four years ago after he recognised that there was a need to help families over Christmas. He had been collecting for city food banks and spotted there was no provision for Christmas. He said we know already that this year's collection will be bigger because we have had a few organisations who have said they are collecting in their workplace. But we are expecting that the demand will be higher now, especially with the universal credit rollout. I do a lot of work with food banks and they have already seen around 23% increase of their usage. Plus a few organisations and charities have contacted us already to see if they can refer families to us. Struggling families are referred to the toy bank by social workers, food banks and a charity collection first, as well as other organisations. The collection is then organised by an army of volunteers who are waiting for the public to donate brand new toys so that they can get them to families in time for Christmas. John said there will be more families in need of a project than there was last year, and the difference it makes is incredible. We often get heartfelt messages after the collection from the parents who are just so grateful. A lot of the time when a parent comes to get their toys, they cry there and then. I think they show up thinking they'll get one or two gifts. They don't realise the reality is they get a large bag. It is double-edged sword. It is a great project, but it deeply saddens you as well. He added, the best thing about the project, however, is the number of people who want to help. You can donate to the collection, which will be based at Riverside Hall, Clyde Blair Street, Govan on Monday to Friday, 10am to 3pm, Saturday 10am to 5pm and Sunday 10am to 1pm. New toys can also be donated by purchasing items online and having them delivered to the base at Riverside Hall. 
For more information, email communitytoybank at yahoo.com or visit www.facebook.com communitytoybank. Q and Review Print Speaking to the Blind are a charity based in Bishop Briggs. We're currently looking to recruit volunteer access to audio ambassadors in Eastern Bartonshire to place leaflets and business cards at businesses, shops and amenities in the area and to show the public how to listen to daily and weekly online articles from the Herald Scotland, Evening Times, The National and Inside Soap magazine for free. If you would like to volunteer and become an access to audio ambassador, please contact Michael Rankin on 0141 772 3976 or email aaatl at qandreview.com. That's at qandreview.com. In addition, we are also recruiting for volunteer readers and technicians. If you're interested in reading or technically supporting a recording team, please contact us on 0141-772-3976 or email information at qandreview.com. Details of all of our volunteering opportunities are available on our website at qandreview.com. Thank you. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 9th of November, 2018. Spartak Moscow 4, Rangers 3. Steven Gerrard side lose 7 goal thriller in Moscow. By group's near sports writer, Christopher Jack. And this was one of those nights where you can say that you were there. It had to be seen to be believed. It was a remarkable evening, and one that Steven Gerrard won't forget in a hurry. Neither will the hundreds of Rangers fans that made the trip to Moscow and saw their side lose a 7-goal thriller. Gerrard had urged his players to seize the moment and enjoy the occasion, but Rangers were put through an emotional ringer. The lingering one will be a disappointment, no, as their Group G campaign took another twist. Ahead early on, as Roman Eremenko put the ball into his own net, Rangers lost ahead twice and regained it twice, as Daniel Candias and Glenn Middleton scored in an end-to-end first half. A Conor Goldson own goal to make it 2-2 summed up the shambolic nature of Rangers' defensive performance. No, and that would ultimately cost them as Spartak netted twice in two minutes after the break to move 4-3 ahead. That, somehow, was how it ended. A dream start had become a nightmare finish for Rangers and the first European defeat will be painful for manager and players alike. Boss Gerrard only had one major selection call to make, but there was a surprise switch as well. Glenn Middleton got the nod to replace Ryan Kent in attack. Well, Nikola Katic was brought back in at the other end as Joe Worrell dropped out. It was a huge night for both, but the importance couldn't be underestimated for every one of the players that Gerrard put his faith in, or for the 38-year-old himself. The Spartak Stadium was far from full, but the Travelling Light Blues fans made sure their voices were heard. This impressive arena wasn't intimidating, but it was a stage to shine on. After just five minutes, it was the away section that had a reason to celebrate. A Middleton corner was swung in with pace and precision, and under pressure from Lasana Koulibaly, Eremenko could only divert the ball into his own net. It was a perfect start for Rangers, but the lead was lost before they could add to it. In truth, the equaliser has been coming for some time before it eventually arrived. Spartak may have been out of form and under pressure, but they didn't look like a side that were short of confidence, as they played on the front foot and looked to get at the ropey and out of sorts Jair's defence. Alan McGregor 
had to make a smart save to deny Salvatore. Bocchetti, as he tried his luck with a dipping volley from range, before Fernando fired wide on the angle. A dangerous run from Evelyn Popov came to a premature end when a forward dived on the edge of the arena. It was Spartak who looked more assured on the ball and who saw most of it. Eventually they put it to good use as Lorenzo Melgarejo pulled them level. The cross on the right flank wasn't stopped at source as Popov was allowed to swing the ball to the back post. James Trevernier was beaten too easily and Melgarejo was able to convert from close range. The pattern of defensive mistakes was now well established and it would follow for the remainder of an entertaining first half. There was more than a touch of quality about the finish from Candias as he made it 2-1 though. A long ball from Flanagan found the Portuguese in a central area. After controlling the pass, he swiveled and fired a low shot. That was out of the reach of Alexander Maximenko. And just inside the right-hand post. At that stage, Gerrard would have been content to get to the break with a one-goal advantage. He did, but not in the manner expected. Rangers were once again masters of their own downfall, as Spartak equalised for a second time. Flanagan had endured a torrid half and was beaten too easily by a pop-off pass and a Nikola Raskazov cross. It should have been dealt with fairly comfortably, but Goldson couldn't get his feet sorted quickly enough and a weak attempt to clear saw him direct the ball beyond a helpless McGregor. Once again, Rangers had to regroup. Once again, they responded in admirable fashion. Spartak were even more inert as a defensive unit than the one in white, and Middleton scored the fifth goal of the half with a low finish after the ball broke to him on the left. The positives outweighed the negatives at that stage. The job was only half done for Rangers. Gerrard would have demanded improvements at the back during the interval, but Spartak were in again just two minutes after the restart. The save from McGregor blocking a Sofian Hane strike with his feet was superb. The same can be said about the stop from a Hane flick, but Luis Adriano headed home with a keeper stranded. Just seconds later, McGregor could only watch on again as 3-3 became 4-3. Hane took the credit this time, but his drive from 25 yards took a wicket deflection off Golson and the ball was diverted away from a disbelieving McGregor. On the park and in the stands, Rangers were stunned. The game should have been out with their grasps, with 15 minutes remaining, but Bocchetti rattled the bar with a header and then saw McGregor somehow save his follow-up effort with his foot. Remarkably, Rangers still had the chance. It was one they couldn't take, however. A penalty box scramble ended with the ball cleared rather than in the net as Trevernier hit the post while Andy Halliday fired wide from distance. Now was that, a game that was near to be won was lost and an unbeaten run on the continent had come to an end. Now Rangers must hope their dreams of a knockout bear don't suffer the same fate as Group G gets set to go down to the wire. By Group's near sports writer, Chris Verjack. The Evening Times On Thursday, the 15th of November 2018 News Dominic Raab quits as Brexit Secretary in major blow to Theresa May. This article from the Evening Times online. Dominic Raab has sensationally quit as Brexit Secretary in a massive blow to Theresa May's Brexit plans. Mr Raab, who only took over in the summer after David Davis resigned in protest over the Prime Minister's withdrawal strategy, said he cannot in good conscience support the terms proposed for our deal with the EU. His surprise departure on Thursday came amid a furious backlash from Brexit-backing Tories to the deal agreed by UK and EU negotiators four months ahead of the UK's scheduled withdrawal on March 29th. 
Hours earlier, Shailesh Vara had quit as Minister of State for Northern Ireland, saying Mrs May's agreement leaves the UK in a halfway house, with no time limit on when we will finally be a sovereign nation. In his letter to the Prime Minister, Mr Rabb said the deal represented a very real threat to the integrity of the United Kingdom because of provisions for Northern Ireland. He also said he could not accept an indefinite backstop arrangement for the Irish border. He said, No democratic nation has ever signed up to be bound by such an extensive regime, imposed externally, without any democratic control over the laws to be replied, nor the ability to decide to exit the arrangement. Mr Raab added, Above all, I cannot reconcile the terms of the proposed deal with the promises we made to the country in our manifesto at the last election. This is, at its heart, a matter of public trust. The resignations came as European Council President Donald Tusk announced at an extraordinary meeting of EU leaders in Brussels on November 25th, at which the withdrawal agreement and a political declaration on future relations will be finalised and formalised. Westminster is braced for further resignations, amid widespread expectations that the Prime Minister may face a challenge to her position from Conservative MPs submitting letters of no confidence in her leadership. Mr Rabb had been a surprise choice as Brexit Secretary, when Mr Davis, along with Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson and Brexit Minister Steve Baker, resigned in protest at Mrs May's Chequers plan in July. As the UK's ministerial point man in negotiations, he made repeated trips to Brussels for talks with EU negotiator Michel Barnier, as he and civil servants tried to hammer out a workable withdrawal arrangement. The pound fell heavily against most major currencies after his resignation. Sterling dropped 1.1% to 1.28 US dollars and was 1.2% lower at 1.13 euro. Shadow Cabinet Office Minister John Trickett said the government was falling apart before our eyes, as for a second time the Brexit Secretary has refused to back the Prime Minister's Brexit plan. This is the 20th minister to resign from Theresa May's government in her two-year premiership, he said. Theresa May has no authority left and is clearly incapable of delivering a Brexit deal that commands even the support of her cabinet, let alone Parliament and the people of our country. Remain supporting Tory MP Anna Soubry added on Twitter that Mr Rabb's resignation marks the end of the Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement, and possibly her premiership. Ms Soubry added, No Prime Minister deserves to be so badly treated. Rabb signed up to her withdrawal agreement, allowing her to make her statement after Cabinet, knowing he'd resign in time for the 9am news bulletins the next morning. Shameful. Mrs May now faces a battle to get it through Parliament as pro-Leave Conservative MPs as well as some Remainers lined up to condemn the plan, accusing her of breaking promises and leaving the UK at the mercy of Brussels. In a resignation statement, North West Cambridgeshire MP Mr Vara, who was promoted by Mrs May as recently as July, said We're a proud nation and it's a sad day when we're reduced to obeying rules made by other countries who have shown that they do not have our best interests at heart. We can and must do better than this. The people of the UK deserve better. Mr Vara, a former Conservative vice-chairman who's served as a whip and on the front benches for the bulk of his career since entering Parliament in 2005, backed Remain in the 2016 referendum. In Brussels, Mr Tusk was handed a copy of the 585-page withdrawal agreement by EU chief negotiator Michel Barnier. Ministers and ambassadors of the remaining 27 EU states will work to finalise by next Tuesday the political declaration on future relations with the UK, 
published in outline form on Wednesday, he said. Welcoming the UK Cabinet's collective agreement to accept the withdrawal document, Mr Tusk said, Of course, I do not share the Prime Minister's enthusiasm about Brexit as such. Since the very beginning, we have had no doubt that Brexit is a lose-lose situation, and our negotiations are only about damage control. And, as he sent a message to the British people, As much as I am sad to see you leave, I will do everything to make this pair well the least painful possible, both for you and for us. This article is from the Evening Times online. This is an article from the Evening Times. 9th of November 2018. Celtic 2, Albi 1, 5 Things We Learned. An early strike from Kieran Trinney got Brendan Rodgers' men off a perfect start, and they should have killed off the visitors thereafter. Jean Kevin Oxton silenced Parkhead in the 78th minute with a goal against the run of the play, but Oxton Edward gave the home team the lead again just a minute later. So what did we learn from an incredible night in the East End of Glasgow? Celtic can still reach for knockout rounds. This was a must-win game for Celtic. A draw would certainly have kept alive their chances of progression to the last 32, but if we would have been relying on their opponents last night to let slip in their remaining two fixtures against runaway Group B, leaders Salzburg away from Rosenborg at home. The double treble winners rose to the challenge I faced, and then some after wretched defeats away in Austria and Germany against the Red Bull-owned side, they produced a rousing display and recorded a narrow but richly deserved victory to raise hopes among their supporters that at least 32 spots can be secured. There is some way to go. They must attain this high level against Rosenborg in Norway at the end of the month, and then Salzburg in Glasgow in their final fixture but there are certainly grounds for optimism after the famous triumph. The Parkhead club should have won by more. Celtic dominated this game from kick-off. Kieran Trinney, who had an outstanding game at left-back and received a Man of the Match award at the end of 19 coursed minutes, showed remarkable composure to control the square ball from James Forrest and then fire a shot between the win mark four. But he and his teammates were often found wanting to the final third thereafter. They should have capitalised on their superiority to a far greater degree and won more than comfortably than they did in the end. Oddson, Oddwood, Forrest, Tom Rodgick, Trinley and Sot Sinclair all had opportunities and all failed to convert them. The latter in particular should have done better when he was fourth on a keeper earlier in the second half. Sinclair has showed far better form of later in recent, in fact of a stellar debutess in Scotland, but he clearly needs to sharpen up his finishing. Still, Rodgers was content that his team cut their opponents open in the back repeatedly. Leipzig struggled to do the same. Craig Gordon was certainly tested, but only really by hopeful attempts by outside his penalty area. He did well to block a glancing Marcel Stavsia header at Michael Hansenberg corner in the second half, but that was pretty much it. So the Leipzig goal, when it came in the 12 minutes from the end of regulation time, was hard for Celtic to have taken how one-sided the encounter had been. It would have been an injustice if they had taken a point. Odson Edward was money well spent, 
Brendan Rodgers were unable to hide his displeasure at his inability to strengthen his squad significantly in the summer. But in Philip Brunsovic, the Croatian centre-half who arrived on lawn from Leicester City, he unearthed a gem. The defender was exceptional alongside Rudrik Boyota again last night. And the club record £9 million transfer fee from the Scots champions paid their French counterparts Paris Saint-Germain for striker Audrey Edward, and was also showed price of business. The forward goal was proved to be the winning goal after good work by Sot Sinclair and Ryan Christie with 10 minutes remaining, but his all-round prep performance was superb. He got in good positions in the final third and his powerful runs into the opposition box caused all kinds of problems for the rear team. It is incredible to think he is just 20 and there is so much more to come. Leipzig aren't out of it. When Conrad Lammer, the Australian midfielder, calmly retained possession near the corner flag in his own half instead of shelling upfield to safety despite the close intentions to Celtic players, the safety earlier on it obvious, this was no ordinary visiting team. Their German's technical ability was a joy to watch. Their pressure meant their rivals had to move the ball quickly and accurately, which was certainly did, and they fought dodgingly to the end of an equaliser and struck the woodwork. They will beat Rosenberg at home in their final fixture. If they overcome Salzburg away next up, they can lead one or two places in the knockout rounds, which are up for grabs. For much, McLean Disco lights at Celtic Park installed at a cost of, depending on what he believed, between 2 million and 4 million during the close season, made for a long awaited debut last night. The stadium announcer promised spectators that they were about to see the ground in a different light before kick off, so was it all worth it? It was very jolly indeed. The fans in the cell or crowd certainly seemed to enjoy it. The atmosphere at Celtic Park and European nights have always been pretty special, unique even, and this addition enhances it further. The Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 2nd of November 2018. Derek Johnston. Rangers players are seeing the other side of life at Ibrox after a difficult week. By football columnist Derek Johnston. When everything was going well for Rangers a couple of weeks ago, when they were winning games, the crowd was on their side and they were getting praised. Every player would have been really enjoying their football. After drawing with Spartak Moscow, losing to Aberdeen and being hailed by Kilmarnock, Stephen Gerrard and his players are now seeing the other side of life at Ibrox and are getting a bit of criticism from the Rangers supporters. This is when the manager will find out about his players and his words in recent days won't have gone unnoticed inside that dressing room. Stephen can pick the team, do the tactics and give the talk, but when the players go out there, he needs them to play. It comes down to what they have got inside that jersey. There is no doubt that the manager and Gary McAllister will be hammering that home right now, and for the players that are new to the club, the last week might be a steep learning curve. Every game for Rangers is like a cup final, and that is the message the manager is trying to get into the heads of the players. You can't pick and choose when you turn up and when you perform here. You need to have the same attitude at every game. You have to win the battle before you can win the war. As Rangers, you have to be at it week in, week out. There are one or two players that have gone off the boil a bit, and they are not firing on all cylinders just now. Have a couple of them taken their foot off the gas? Has that excitement of the success a few weeks ago worn off a bit? I don't know, because I don't know them personally. But they certainly have to get back playing again, and get back to doing what they are good at. 
if they are to put a difficult week and a disappointing three games behind them at St Mirren. The manager was looking for a reaction on Wednesday night, and after the first 10 minutes it looked like he had it. Because we got the goal through Alfredo Morelos, and everyone was looking to kick on from there and win the game, unfortunately it didn't happen. Losing the equaliser rocked us a bit, and you have to give Stephen Clark credit. For Kilmarnock, it was a fantastic result, and they are a good organised side that are where they are in the Premiership on merit. But Rangers have to find ways of breaking down teams like that, and there's no doubt about it. Someone said to me on Wednesday night that it was the same as the game at Hampden on Sunday, but it wasn't. Rangers did create chances against Killy, but they just didn't take them. They were unlucky a couple of times when the ball isn't quite falling for you, and that bit of fortune has maybe deserted us right now. Rangers certainly had more of the ball, and they created a number of decent chances, but they couldn't convert them, and that is the most important thing. The final touch just isn't there right now. It is maybe a wee reality check for the players right now, and hopefully they will realise that they need to work harder and play better if they are to get over their first real bump that they have encountered. You are going to get lulls and dips over the course of the season, and the test now for these players is to prove that they can get out of it. The manager will know the ones that want to roll up their sleeves and do well, and anyone that doesn't will find themselves out of the picture, because he does have the options in the squad to change it now. If you are not doing the business, you will find yourself out the team or squad. The last week hasn't been great for Rangers, but there are certainly no need for the supporters to overreact here. They just need to keep supporting the team and keep backing the players and the manager, because it will turn, and the performances and the results will come again. By football columnist, Derek Johnston. Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 12th November, 2018. Stephen Robinson reckons referee Craig Thompson was conned in Motherwell's defeat to Rangers. By group senior sports writer, Christopher Jack. Stephen Gerrard insists he won't use referee Craig Thompson as an excuse for Motherwell's eyebrows thrashing, despite claiming that the whistler was conned by Alfredo Morelos. The Steelmen suffered a 7-1 defeat to Rangers on Sunday as Curtis Main's first-half equaliser proved scant consolation on a tough afternoon. Motherwell were well in the game at that stage, but the decision to send Carl McHugh off changed the clash in Rangers' favour as James Trevernier netted from the penalty spot. Midfielder McHugh was given a second yellow card for handball after he blocked an Andy Halliday shot inside the area. But it was the controversial call to book the Irishman for a challenge on striker Morelos that really irked boss Robinson, who was sent off for a dugout altercation in the aftermath of the spot kick call. Robinson said, I thought it was a penalty. The letter of the law suggests that he needs to be sent off. But the first booking is a disgrace. It's embarrassing. And I have to say referees are getting conned by the same people. He has to send him off after he has booked him. But he shouldn't have booked him. Having said that, it certainly wasn't the reason we went on and lost six goals. I think a lot of people are looking for excuses to do. I'm certainly not going to hide behind a referee. I don't want that to be the headline. We can do so much better than we did defensively. It was hard to take for 45 minutes. I'm not going to talk about individual players. Certain players get away with certain things every week. They have a hard task if they are getting fouled all the time every week. It wasn't a free kick in the first place. It certainly wasn't a yellow card. He was given the yellow card for continual fouling, but that wasn't a foul, so work that one out. By group senior sports writer, Christopher Jack. This is an article from the Evening Times. 15th of November 2018. 
West End Bar announces shop closure with heavy heart. Bar Gumbo and Buyers Ward made a shock announcement on their social media. Sunday will be the last day of trading for the bar that has been in operation for five years. A post by Bosses reads, It is with a heavy heart that we can now announce that Bar Gumbo will be closing its doors for the last time on Sunday of 18th November. An invite for one last hurrah has been extended to all customers, which will include a final performance by Severin Seeks. Bar Gumbo had only recently undergone a makeover which saw its relaunch as an upmarket grill restaurant specialising in dishes from America's Deep South. For post ads, we would like to take a moment to thank all our amazing and loyal customers for their custom over the last five years. We are going to miss you all very much. But alas, all things must come to an end, and we would like to invite everyone to have a re-drink with us one last time on Sunday for our closing party, where we will of course be joined by Servant Seeks, who are performing for the last time. Watch this space for more updates on what's next, and I'll see you all on Sunday. Remember, this weekly digest programme is just a selection of what we produce. You can access more daily content online for free at qnreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Herald Scotland and Evening Times and weekly digests of the National and Inside Soap magazine. Alternatively, you can access all of these services via a BWBF Sonata Plus internet radio player. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times News, recorded on the 2nd of November, 2018. Revamp plans for Glasgow's historic High Street and Salt Market to get go-ahead. By Neil Christie. The long-overdue regeneration of Glasgow's historic heart has been brought one step closer after the approval of plans to breathe new life into the area. Glasgow City Council approved a new High Street area strategy on Thursday to kick off the redevelopment of the area around the High Street and Salt Market. The plan was put together following a public consultation launched in March, with local residents, businesses and other organisations hoping for action to better promote the area's rich history and built heritage. The strategy, which runs between 2019 and 2023, will also help support small businesses and the local economy with an expansion of the Independent Retail Fund to support shopfront improvements. In response to concerns raised by local traders during the consultation process, City Property will also implement a moratorium on rent increases for its tenants in the Upper High Street and Salt Market areas, as well as improving its tenant engagement with local businesses. The strategy will be overseen by the High Street Reference Group, comprising all the councillors representing the area. Councillor Angus Miller, Deputy City Convener for Economic Growth and Chair of the Reference Group, said, The High Street area strategy will guide the long-overdue regeneration of Glasgow's historic heart, making a clear commitment to the area's future with a range of initiatives to take the High Street forward. The strong level of engagement from the public in our consultation earlier this year underlines the importance of the High Street to so many Glaswegians. The area is home to around 6,000 people and features a host of attractions such as the Barras, Glasgow Cathedral, Glasgow Green and the Necropolis. To promote these visitor hotspots, the strategy contains plans to establish a heritage trail to link the area's visitor attractions and highlight historical points. Councillor Miller added, By doing more to promote the area's rich heritage and support the local economy, we can help make the High Street area the vibrant, celebrated district of the city it deserves to be. I look forward to working over the coming years with local residents, businesses and council partners in delivering the city's ambitious plans for this important quarter of Glasgow.
Bainial Creste. This is the end of part one. After a short break, we'll be coming back in part two with more great articles from the Evening Times. Visually impaired people are being invited to see if they are eligible for a free, specially adapted radio from a charity. The British Wireless for the Blind Fund, BWBF, provides the equipment to those with sight loss around the UK who meet its criteria. Radio is a lifeline to those who are blind and partially sighted, providing companionship and helping them to keep in touch with what's going on in the world, as well as in the local community. BWBF offers equipment free of charge to those who have sight loss and are in receipt of a means-tested benefit. BWBF is launching its Reaching Out campaign to try and increase awareness about their equipment and help more people who are blind and partially sighted. Our regional development manager, Sophie Weldon, said, Our radios are designed so that a person with sight loss can use them easily and independently. All equipment is delivered to the home by a volunteer who sets it all up and provides support in using it. We offer a range of equipment, digital radios, CD players, memory stick players, internet radio and even a specially designed app. Our radios are vital to someone who cannot see. They provide news, information and entertainment, but also, more importantly, companionship and a friendly service. If you or someone you know is interested in a BWBF radio, please contact Sophie Weldon at sophie at blind.org.uk that is s-o-p-h-i-e at b-l-i-n-d dot org dot uk or phone 01283-790-208 that's 01283-790-208, or on 07540-724-063. That is 07540-724-063. To find out more about the British Wireless for the Blind Fund, follow us on Twitter at British Wireless, like us on Facebook, or go to blind.org.uk. Now, back to the main programme. Welcome back. The headlines in part two. Peter Grant refusing to play for Scotland will mainly don't get picked again. Rangers will be stunned to learn that Daniel Candeas was sent off for making gestures to St Mirren's Anton Ferdinand. Spartak Moscow 4, Rangers 3. Steven Gerrard side lose 7-goal thriller in Moscow. Celtic vs Hearts. How Celtic rated? Rangers will be stunned to learn that Daniel Candeas was sent off for making gestures to St Mirren's Anton Ferdinand. Roma parents were accused of selling children on the streets. Dundee 0, Celtic 5. The champions hand out at Dens Park Trubbin with five different players on the score sheet. Family of Christopher Spears commended for turning tragedy into campaign success. Ollie McBurney. My Swansea teammates won't shut up about Euro 2016, but Wales showed what Scotland can achieve. Ratings. How Rangers fared in 7-1 win over Motherwell. Leave alone. Your water bills could be going up. This is an article from the Evening Times, 15th of November 2018. Written by Neil Cameron. Peter Grant refusing to play for Scotland will mean he don't get picked again. Peter Grant, the assistant manager, insisted that anyone who declares themselves unavailable for selection will be very, very fortunate to play for Scotland in the future. 
Of course, should McLeish be replaced at any time, then a new manager might take a different view on Matt Ritchie, Lee Griffiths and Robert Sondgrass. But these three, and there will be more in the future, could well have ended their international careers. Asked whether this trio and any other players might not be welcomed back, Grant said, I think that what you have seen, you will be noticed, that with some of the selections we have had, that what has happened, there was no doubt about that. Myself, Alex and James McFadden see a situation where the ultimate for us was to get picked for the national team. If you don't want to play, no problem, we're not going to force you. We're not going to fight and ask you to come. If you don't want to play for your national team, that's it. You'll be very, very fortunate if you get selected again. If you don't want to play through injuries, that's completely different. But it's down to the fact that you don't want to play. I don't think you'll be back in. You know how proud Alex was to get the caps he did. He still hasn't retired yet. Grant insisted the management team only priority was the players they had and beating Albania and Israel in a Nations League double header. Ryan Jack of Rangers pulled out of the squad less than 24 hours after being called up at Aberdeen defender Michael Delvin is almost certainly out for injury. David Bates, a regular with Hamburg and German football's second tier, is now with the squad and in line to make his Scotland debut in Albania on Saturday. Of course you want everyone available. You hope people get through their club games, said Grant. You can talk about build-ups and systems once you've picked your squad, but until the last club game is played beforehand, then it's always a concern. This time, there have been unforeseen circumstances. Guys you're bringing in are going back with injuries, so that's disappointing. But you have to deal with it. You know we've got quality players here, and you hope to when the game comes everyone prepared and ready. We can't make excuses. We've been in football long enough, and we know injuries are part of the game. Grant had no qualms about former Rangers centre-half Bates, 22, going straight into a game as Scotland cannot afford to lose. Absolutely he could play, said Grant. Everybody comes into the squad with a chance. David Bates was here at a hotel before us. That's how enthusiastic he was to be there. But he's got a talent as well. He's gone to Germany. He's got a belief in himself and that's what he wanted to do. It's hard to leave a club like Rangers, let's be perfectly honest, for a young man, but he did that, went over to Germany and we spoke to his coach who is delighted with him. But we've got no qualms about him, he is fitted in with the boys, but he knows them. It's not as if he's been away for a long time and doesn't know of these players. He's settled in well with these players and he's trained very well. The Evening Times On Thursday, the 15th of November, 2018 Sport Rangers. Rangers will be stunned to learn that Daniel Candeas was sent off for making gestures to St Mirren's Anton Ferdinand. This article by Neil Cameron, sports writer. Willie Collum has confirmed Rangers winger Daniel Candeas was controversially sent off against St Mirren for making gestures towards Anton Ferdinand. And it does appear the second booking was given for the Portuguese blowing kisses, which he did stop following a talking to by St Mirren goalkeeper Craig Sampson. The Ibrox club were left furious by the official's decision to show the Portuguese a second yellow card, following a brief spat with the former West Ham centre-back during their 2-0 win in Paisley on November the 3rd. Steven Gerrard insisted his player had done nothing wrong and branded the dismissal embarrassing. Rangers even tried unsuccessfully to have the red card overturned on the grounds of mistaken identity. 
SFA chiefs have now revealed the reasons for the failed appeal against the decision, explaining that Colum decided Candeas had to go after spotting the 30-year-old goad his rival. The flashpoint came seconds from full time as Rangers celebrated Alfredo Morelos's injury time goal, which sealed a 2-0 victory. Replays show Candeas, who'd already picked up a booking for rushing towards the travelling support after scoring the game's opening goal, running past Ferdinand while blowing kisses at him, and seemingly the St Mirren fans. After his brief conversation with Samson, the Rangers player was then approached by Ferdinand, who placed Candeas in a headlock before aiming a jab at his chin. Colum immediately flashed yellow at both players, then a red at Candeas, who had not reacted to Ferdinand. In the written reasoning posted on the SFA website, Hand in Chief say, The referee provided a statement confirming the nature of the offence, in respect of which the player was cautioned for a second time. He confirmed that he had issued the caution to the player, as at the time he believed that the player had been involved in two incidents, making gestures towards the opponent, St Mirren number 35, after the scoring of a goal, and becoming further involved with the opponent as he made his way upfield after celebrating the goal. The tribunal viewed the video footage of the incidents supplied by the claimant and carefully considered the claimant's written submission and the written statement of the player. Having done so, the tribunal found that the referee correctly identified the player as being the player involved in the instance with St Mirren number 35. The video footage showed this. The claimant, in their written submission, had accepted that there had been contact between the player and St Mirren number 35. The referee cautioned both players. Accordingly, the tribunal found on a balance of probabilities that there had been no error on the part of the referee and no mistaken identity with regard to the players involved in the incidents, specifically in relation to the player from whom the claimant had appealed. Therefore, the determination of the tribunal was that the claim be dismissed and that the caution and dismissal and mandatory sanction be reimposed. Rangers boss Gerard gave a stunned reaction as he watched a replay of the incident after the match. So, Daniel gets a yellow card for that. Come on, lads, be serious, he asked the gathered media. The second yellow card is embarrassing. There's your evidence, and that's what you're dealing with. Candeas sat out the 7-1 win over Motherwell on Saturday through suspension, while Rangers have also said they'll be submitting a formal complaint over Colum's performance at the Simple Digital Arena. Colum will return to domestic action this weekend for the first time since Rangers made a formal complaint about the official. The FIFA-listed referee will be the man in the middle for championship leaders Air United's visit at Aloha at Somerset Park on Saturday. A groin injury was cited for the 39-year-old's withdrawal from overseeing last Friday's clash between Aberdeen and Hibernian, just a day after the Ibrox club issued a strongly worded statement regarding Daniel Candeas's controversial red card in the recent win at St Mirren. This article was by Neil Cameron, sportswriter. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know somebody who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet radio, where our daily podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF, you need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of 8, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk and remember, when setting up the player, ask for the Q and Review channels. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 9th of November, 2018. 
Spartak Moscow 4, Rangers 3. Steven Gerrard's side lose 7 goal thriller in Moscow. By Group's near sports writer, Christopher Jack. And this was one of those nights where you can say that you were there. It had to be seen to be believed. It was a remarkable evening, and one that Steven Gerrard won't forget in a hurry. Neither will the hundreds of Rangers fans that made the trip to Moscow and saw their side lose a 7 goal thriller. Gerrard had urged his players to seize the moment and enjoy the occasion, but Rangers were put through an emotional ringer. The lingering one will be a disappointment. No, as their Group G campaign took another twist. Ahead early on, as Roman Eremenko put the ball into his own net, Rangers lost ahead twice and regained it twice, as Daniel Candias and Glenn Middleton scored in an end-to-end first half. A corner Goldson own goal to make it 2-2 summed up the shambolic nature of Rangers' defensive performance. No, and that would ultimately cost them as Spartak netted twice in two minutes after the break to move 4-3 ahead. That, somehow, was how it ended. A dream start had become a nightmare finish for Rangers, and the first European defeat will be painful for manager and players alike. Boss Gerrard only had one major selection call to make, but there was a surprise switch as well. Glenn Middleton got the nod to replace Ryan Kent in attack. Well, Nikola Katic was brought back in at the other end as Joe Worrell dropped out. It was a huge night for both, but the importance couldn't be underestimated for every one of the players that Gerrard put his faith in, or for the 38-year-old himself. The Spartak Stadium was far from full, but the travelling light blues fans made sure their voices were heard. This impressive arena wasn't intimidating, but it was a stage to shine on. After just five minutes, it was the away section that had a reason to celebrate. A Middleton corner was swung in, with pace and precision, and under pressure from Lasana Koulibaly, Eremenko could only divert the ball into his own net. It was a perfect start for Rangers, but the lead was lost before they could add to it. In truth, the equaliser has been coming for some time before it eventually arrived. Spartak may have been out of form and under pressure, but they didn't look like a side that were short of confidence, as they played on the front foot and looked to get at the ropey and out-of-sorts Jair's defence. Alan McGregor had to make a smart save to deny Salvatore Bocchetti as he tried his luck with a dipping volley from range before Fernando fired wide on the angle. A dangerous run from Evelyn Popov came to a premature end when a forward dived on the edge of the arena. It was Spartak who looked more assured on the ball and who saw most of it. Eventually they put it to good use as Lorenzo Melgarejo pulled them level. The cross on the right flank wasn't stopped at source as Popov was allowed to swing the ball to the back post. James Trevernier was beaten too easily and Melgar Reggio was able to convert from close range. The pattern of defensive mistakes was now well established and it would follow for the remainder of an entertaining first half. There was more than a touch of quality about the finish from Candias as he made it 2-1 though. A long ball from Flanagan found the Portuguese in a central area. After controlling the pass, he swiveled and fired a low shot. That was out of the reach of Alexander Maximenko. And just inside the right-hand post, at that stage, Gerrard would have been content to get to the break with a one-goal advantage. He did, but not in the manner expected. Rangers were once again masters of their own downfall, as Spartak equalised for a second time. Flanagan had endured a torrid half and was beaten too easily by a pop-off pass and a Nikola Raskazov cross. It should have been dealt with fairly comfortably, but Goldson couldn't get his feet sorted quickly enough and a weak attempt to clear saw him direct the ball beyond a helpless McGregor. 
Once again, Rangers had to regroup. Once again, they responded in admirable fashion. Spartak were even more inert as a defensive unit, none the one in white, and Middleton scored the fifth goal of the half with a low finish after the ball broke to him on the left. The positives outweighed the negatives at that stage. The job was only half done for Rangers. Gerrard would have demanded improvements at the back during the interval, but Spartak were in again just two minutes after the restart. The save from McGregor blocking a Sofian Hane strike with his feet was superb. The same can be said about the stop from a Hane flick, but Luis Adriano headed home with a keeper stranded. Just seconds later, McGregor could only watch on again as 3-3 became 4-3. Hane took the credit this time, but his drive from 25 yards took a wicket deflection off Golson and the ball was diverted away from a disbelieving McGregor. On the park and in the stands, Rangers were stunned. The game should have been out with their grasp, with 15 minutes remaining, but Bocchetti rattled the bar with a header and then saw McGregor somehow save his follow-up effort with his foot. Remarkably, Rangers still had the chance. It was one they couldn't take, however. A penalty box scramble ended with the ball cleared rather than in the net as Trevernier hit the post while Andy Halliday fired wide from distance. Now is that, a game that was near to be won was lost and an unbeaten run on the continent had come to an end. Now Rangers must hope their dreams of a knockout bear don't suffer the same fate as Group G gets set to go down to the wire. By Group's near sports writer, Chris Verjack. This is an article from the Evening Times, 5th November 2018. Celtic vs Hearts, how Celtic rated. Lustig lasted almost an hour before being replaced by Christopher Jadur, Little to do in the way of defensive responsibilities and got forward often in support. Bayata, comfortable at the back and it will be interesting to see if Lehan Benkovic can establish a long-term central pairing, has contributed hugely to the fact that Celtic have a synchronous defence in the league. Benkovic, a fine header for the second goal and continues to look calm and composed at the heart of the Celtic defence, Offers a solitary at the back and looks like he will be a goal threat from set pieces. Tyranny. Delivered for cross that led to the third goal of the afternoon, grew increasingly frustrated at the psychability of hearts at times. Forrest, the player of the month, put in another industrious shift as he worked for flank and, for his some inevitability, added his name to the straw sheet with a low effort in the bottom corner of the net. Rodjick stung the palms of Bobby Zamel at one stage in the opening period with a fiercest effort and was too much for Hart to cope with, played for full 90 minutes and linked well with James Forrest. McGregor, excellent throughout, delivered the corner that led to Celtic's second goal, and hugely influential in the fact sitting midfield role, almost netted a fine solo goal when he ran the length of a pitch with raw drawing his effort just right of a target. Christie dispatched a confident penalty to add for fifth of the afternoon to take his tally to three goals in many games. Current form suggests he is worthy of a prolonged run in the team. Sinclair lively and confident and looking as though he is on the way to finding a form of his opening campaign at the club. Edward oozing confidence and enjoyed his brace as well as setting up another netted for opening goal with a sublime effort from the edge of the box that went in off the underside of the bar before adding another before interval. Adieu. 
took over from Lustig just before the hour mark as he returns from injury. Johnston replaced Edgewood for the last quarter of a game of Celtic looking towards Thursday's night Europa League game against Leipzig. Morgan, on the last ten minutes before, took a hefty kick from Peter Herring that left him in a real discomfort. Hart's player could well have taken a red other than a yellow for offence. This is written by football writer Alison McConnell. The Evening Times On Thursday, the 15th of November, 2018 Sport Rangers Rangers will be stunned to learn that Daniel Candeas was sent off for making gestures to St Mirren's Anton Ferdinand. This article by Neil Cameron, sports writer. Willie Collum has confirmed Rangers winger Daniel Candeas was controversially sent off against St Mirren for making gestures towards Anton Ferdinand. And it does appear the second booking was given for the Portuguese blowing kisses, which he did stop following a talking to by St Mirren goalkeeper Craig Sampson. The Ibrox club were left furious by the official's decision to show the Portuguese a second yellow card, following a brief spat with the former West Ham centre-back during their 2-0 win in Paisley on November the 3rd. Steven Gerrard insisted his player had done nothing wrong and branded the dismissal embarrassing. Rangers even tried unsuccessfully to have the red card overturned on the grounds of mistaken identity. SFA chiefs have now revealed the reasons for the failed appeal against the decision, explaining that Colum decided Candeas had to go after spotting the 30-year-old goad his rival. The flashpoint came seconds from full time as Rangers celebrated Alfredo Morelos's injury time goal, which sealed a 2-0 victory. Replays show Candeas, who'd already picked up a booking for rushing towards the travelling support after scoring the game's opening goal, running past Ferdinand while blowing kisses at him, and seemingly the St Mirren fans. After his brief conversation with Samson, the Rangers player was then approached by Ferdinand, who placed Candeas in a headlock before aiming a jab at his chin. Colum immediately flashed yellow at both players, then a red at Candeas, who had not reacted to Ferdinand. In the written reasoning posted on the SFA website, Hamden Chiefs say, The referee provided a statement confirming the nature of the offence, in respect of which the player was cautioned for a second time. He confirmed that he had issued the caution to the player, as at the time he believed that the player had been involved in two incidents, making gestures towards the opponent, St Mirren number 35, after the scoring of a goal and becoming further involved with the opponent as he made his way upfield after celebrating the goal. The tribunal viewed the video footage of the incident supplied by the claimant and carefully considered the claimant's written submission and the written statement of the player. Having done so, the tribunal found that the referee correctly identified the player as being the player involved in the instance with St Mirren number 35. The video footage showed this. The claimant, in their written submission, had accepted that there had been contact between the player and St Mirren number 35. The referee cautioned both players. Accordingly, the tribunal found, on a balance of probabilities, that there had been no error on the part of the referee, and no mistaken identity with regard to the players involved in the incidents, specifically in relation to the player from whom the claimant had appealed. Therefore, the determination of the tribunal was that the claim be dismissed and that the caution and dismissal and mandatory sanction be reimposed. Rangers boss Gerard gave a stunned reaction as he watched a replay of the incident after the match. So, Daniel gets a yellow card for that? Come on lads, be serious, he asked the gathered media. The second yellow card is embarrassing. There's your evidence and that's what you're dealing with. 
Kandea sat out the 7-1 win over Motherwell on Saturday through suspension, while Rangers have also said they'll be submitting a formal complaint over Colum's performance at the Simple Digital Arena. Colum will return to domestic action this weekend for the first time since Rangers made a formal complaint about the official. The FIFA-listed referee will be the man in the middle for championship leaders Air United's visit at Aloha at Somerset Park on Saturday. A groin injury was cited for the 39-year-old's withdrawal from overseeing last Friday's clash between Aberdeen and Hibernian, just a day after the Ibrox club issued a strongly worded statement regarding Daniel Candias's controversial red card in the recent win at St Mirren. This article was by Neil Cameron, sportswriter. Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 9th November 2018. Roma parents were accused of selling children on the streets. By columnist slash reporter Katrina Stewart. An investigation into specific allegations of sexual abuse among Govan Hill's Roma community has concluded without finding evidence to support the claims. Last year it was reported as fact that Roma parents are selling their children on the streets for sex. In response, specialist officers from the National Child Abuse Investigation Unit were called in to probe claims. Now it has been revealed the investigation has ended without turning up evidence of parents prostituting their children. Although six arrests were made, including two teenagers, a police insider said none of those arrested are Roma. There is also no suggestion any of the victims are Roma. As told in the Evening Times in September, five men and one woman have been arrested and charged in connection with offences relating to child sexual abuse and neglect. Chief Inspector Ross Allen, Police Scotland's Area Commander for Glasgow South East, confirmed to a meeting of the Govan Hill Regeneration Group the investigation has now concluded. He urged anyone in the local community who has concerns about child sexual exploitation, CSE, to contact police using either the 999 or 101 numbers and said this would be treated with high priority. Mr Allen said officers would learn from the investigation. He said a specialist extensive closure report will be compiled, which will be an invaluable source of information as we move forward. Rumours have long abounded in Govan Hill of parents selling their children on the streets to paedophiles. While agencies were clear that child sexual abuse occurs in Govan Hill, as elsewhere in the city, police and social work maintained this specific allegation has never been proven. Mr Allen said police would remain vigilant, and Susan Orr, Head of Children's Services, repeated that intention. Ms Orr said, I would like to emphasise that CSE is a citywide issue and not a Govan Hill issue. We have a citywide approach to CSE and a citywide action plan. The action plan targets the nighttime economy and sees workers from the Bernardo Street team out on the streets. Posters have been put up at third sector organisations around Govan Hill, Ms Orr told the group. She added, I don't want to focus this on Govan Hill. Work being done on the south side is for the whole of the south side. Local councillor, Myrie Hunter, urged caution about listening to rumours on social media. She said some of the stories circulated have been specifically about children being sold on the streets of Govan Hill. There has been an extensive police investigation and there is no evidence that this was true. We have to be aware that much of what goes around on social media is not actually based on reality. And that's the challenge, to encourage people to report anything you see but don't believe everything you hear from taxi drivers. Mr Allen added, social media can be very, very divisive and we have seen inflammatory and even dangerous comments posted online. So it is important to be really careful of what you read on social media. By columnist slash reporter, Katrina Stewart. This is an article from the Evening Times, 2nd November 2018. Dundee 0 Celtic 5, the champions hand out at Dens Park Drubbing with five different players on the score sheet. 
The champions, as you might expect, were in different class, and if anything found this game too easy, they overplayed at times. But then they could afford to do this. This did not look like a contest between teams from the same league. Come May, the Dens Park men may find themselves in championship. Dundee have three points after 11 Premiership games. They have changed managers, but nothing has changed so far. There are a lot of empty seats at Dens Park, although the game being shown live on television would have kept more than a few in the house. For all that Celtic were good, and some of the football was seriously good, Dundee had a dire way. Of course Dundee are not expected to challenge Celtic, not anymore, but there was a lack of desire on the pitch, which is not acceptable. Jim McIntyre has some job on his hand. Brendan Rodgers wasn't messing about. This was his strongest team available. He can smell blood, plus there was Daniel Azani on the bench for the first time since arriving from Australia. Celtic could easily have scored more. All the attacking players were on it from the start. They were also superb at retrieving possession on the rare occasions when it was lost. It was a good night for Celtic, but the songbook was far from pleasant. Ferrer's support, like a rebel tune, is hardly news. That with every poverty stuff and all that game goes with it being so far from prevalent this season. The club should do something about this. Anyway, to football. Ryan Christie, the hero against Hearts, got things going properly with a well-hit shot on the bounce after 13 minutes from distance which fizzed over the hand of Dundee goalkeeper Jack Hamilton, but also the crossbar. Not long after, Mikel Lustig tried his luck with a controlled half-folly which again was a tough too high. On both occasions, Celtic appealed for corners that never came. It mattered little. Tom Rodgick doesn't look like your typical player. His feet are too big for one. But as lads sure can play a bit, his goal on 20 minutes was a bit special. Celtic kept pressure. Dundee could only do so much blocking. The ball got played to Rodgick on the edge of the box. His shot perfectly beat Hamilton for height and power. The ball then dipped into the net. Rodgick was in a good mood. A wonderful 50 yards passed to Odston Edward behind Darren O'Dear. Hamilton came off his line when he shouldn't have. But just as a Frenchman was about to score, Odia got back to make a goal-saving sliding tackle. But it was a matter of time before Celtic got another. It came on 33 minutes. Christie found Forrest with a pass, which travelled half a length of the pitch. He squared to Rodgick, who scooped the ball into Lustig's path, and he went down when challenged by Dundee defender Glenton Miss. It didn't look like a penalty, but referee Alan Moore pointed to the spot and even booked the defender, Scott Sinclair, as he did at Murfield. But the ball won way as the keeper went the other. The inevitable third arrived on 38 minutes. Cameron Trinley had been a threat, a half a superb got past Cameron Kerr, hit him by a line unlike an old-fashioned ringer, and his cutback found James Forrest, whose finish was superb. On the stroke of half-time, Forrest nimbly made his way into Dundee's box. He pinged a low cross into Edwards, who needed one touch to pass the ball past a helpless Hamilton. Some Dundee supporters left at the break. You couldn't blame them. They missed a crack of three minutes into the second half. Celtic moved the ball quickly, searching for an opening, which was always going to come. Edward initially took a touch and a second before playing, slipping a pass through a gap, which Christie had found, and his fish topped a lovely move. 
A fine Hamilton saved the night. Edward sent the ball into Dundee's tip corner with a well-executed free kick. Lewis Morgan and Anzini were sent on before the hour, a debut from Australian, as Roderick and Edward had a rest, and Anzini's great cross should have led to Trendy's goal. His shot went wide from a few feet out. The man from Manchester City produced some nice moves, but his night was end badly. Dundee were guilty of a few hard challenges which crossed the line as tiredness and frustration got the better of them. One of them, on Azini by Jesse Cohen, meant Celtic played out for the last 12 minutes with 10 men because a teenager wasn't able to carry on. Celtic now hit second. Their wobble has steadied, showing it will only be a matter of time before return to Premiership number one position. The Evening Times News, recorded on the 2nd of November 2018. Family of Christopher Spears commended for turning tragedy into campaign success by Holly Lennon. The family of the young man who drowned in the River Clyde have been commended for turning their anger into a campaign to help others. Christopher Spears, 28, slept at the banks of the Clyde while making his way home from a night out in January 2016. In the two years since, his parents, Duncan and Margaret Spears, launched a campaign calling for increased safety measures at the water. They previously handed a petition containing more than 1,500 signatures into the local authority calling for action. Council leader Susan Atkin has now announced that changes will be made to prevent another tragedy from happening. She added, The Clyde is a key part of the city, but as we know, any water does pose dangers to the public. Duncan and Margaret Spears, who lost their son Christopher, launched their campaign two years ago in the wake of that. They have been calling for warning signs to be erected along river banks, better CCTV coverage and ropes to be attached to boys so they can be thrown more than once. Following a constructive meeting, every life boy in the city will have a rope attached. We're committed to undertaking a trial of lifeline telephones. I hope they can take some comfort in knowing their campaigning will help make the Clyde safer for everyone. She added, the Clyde flows through many local authority areas. I know the Spears' campaign has had an impact at Holyrood as well. It takes enormous strength and character to turn enormous grief and tragedy to something so good. Officers are working on an action plan with partners such as the Scottish Fire and Rescue involved. Councillor Graeme Campbell applauded the family for turning their anger and frustration into a very good campaign. Duncan Spears welcomed the changes after a hard-fought campaign. The 53-year-old said the campaign has been overwhelming and everyone has been so supportive. Councillors were working cross-party and gave us a support letter to hand in. I had a meeting with Susan Atkin to thank her for sending us out a nice letter. Something good has come out of Christopher's death and it's for everyone in Glasgow, not just us. We didn't realise how bad it was until our son died. We've got to go to Scottish Parliament where we have to speak to explain how we went about the campaign. By Holly Lennon Remember, this Weekly Digest programme is just a selection of what we produce. You can access more daily content online for free at qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Herald Scotland and Evening Times and weekly digests of the National and Inside Soap magazine. Alternatively, you can access all of these services via a BWBF Sonata Plus internet radio player. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times on Wednesday, the 14th of November, 2018. Sport, Scotland. Ollie McBurney. My Swansea teammates won't shut up about Euro 2016, but Wales showed what Scotland can achieve. This article by Matthew Lindsay, Chief Football Writer. 
It's over two years now since Wales reached the semi-finals of Euro 2016 in France, but the joy of that achievement lingers on. Ollie McBurney, the Scotland striker, is certainly reminded of it constantly down at Swansea City. They like to bring it up a lot, he said. It can be tough to take sometimes. But there are quite a few Scots down there now, so I have backup and we can fight back a bit more. Yet, McBurney, whose chances of being involved in the Nations League doubleheader against Albania and Israel significantly increased when Lee Griffiths and Stephen Naismith became unavailable due to injuries, knows that reaching the Euro 2020 finals would be the best way to silence his clubmates. What's more, the 22-year-old firmly believes, despite the bitterly disappointing defeat to Israel last month and the absence of a raft of important players, that the national team can go a long way towards obtaining that objective by clinching a playoff spot in their next two Group C1 fixtures. He feels the success Gareth Bale and his compatriots enjoyed two years ago shows what a lesser footballing nation can still do in the modern game. What Wales did shows that, no matter the size of the country or the expectations people put on you, you can always exceed them, he said. Look at how far they got. That gives us hope we can do the same in the future. When you look at the Northern Ireland team on paper, you might think they wouldn't do as well as they have. But win a few games and you never know where it can take you. And that's what we need to do. We need to build a few results on top of each other. If we can do that, we'll be flying. McBurney knows that the Nations League could provide Scotland's best chance of reaching the Euro 2020 finals, as they'll come up against far stronger teams than Albania and Israel in it, and he's determined to grasp it. This could be our best opportunity, he said. We're taking it very seriously. We want to get maximum points from our next two games and give ourselves the best opportunity possible. McBurney has failed to net in any of the six games he's played for Scotland under Alex McLeish, who's under intense pressure after the Israel loss. But he would like to put that right in the coming days to show his gratitude to his manager for the faith he's shown in him. Having established himself in the Swansea team this season and scored seven goals in the English Championship, the centre-forward, who qualifies to play for this country through his Glasgow-born father, is certainly confident that he can open his account. I'll be eternally grateful for the opportunity the manager's given me, he said. Ever since he's come in, I've been in every squad, so personally I feel like I want to repay him for that. But I also want to do as well as I can for my country whenever I get that chance. I've been in a good bit of form at Swansea, and obviously the aim is to come up to these internationals and try and carry that on. I want to bring that confidence up here and take it into these games. Teams need goals to get results, and as strikers, it's down to us to try to find ways to get the goals. This article was by Matthew Lindsay, Chief Football Writer. The Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 12th of November, 2018. Ratings. How Rangers fared in 7-1 win over Motherwell. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack. Alan McGregor was one of the few to emerge with any credit against Spartak and was once again let down by his defence here as Maine made it 1-1, being troubled after the break. 7. James Trevernier, captain posed more of a threat going forward and picked out Arfield with a terrific pass for the opener. Had to keep his cool before converting from 12 yards for the second time to put Rangers 2-1 up. Not tested in his own half after that, but impressed in the final third. 7. Joe Worrell, restored to the standing lineup after missing out in midweek and faced a tough challenge against the robust Motherwell attack. Didn't have the best start, 
while as comfortable as the goals went in at the other end. 6. Nikola Katic Didn't make the most of his chances against Bartek and followed that up with a poor first 45 minutes here. Was beaten too easily by Bowman in the build-up to the equaliser and didn't appear for the second half. 4. Andy Halliday has looked a more solid and dependable option than Flanagan at left-back when utilised there in recent weeks and was again impressive here. Comfortable defensively and played his part going forward. 7. Ryan Jack A typically understated but important performance from one of Gerrard's most reliable operators. Patrolled the midfield well and got an assist as Arfield made it 5-1 with half an hour to go. 7. Scott Arfield showed what he is capable of and what he should do more often. As he burst into the box and took his fourth goal of the season, well after eight minutes, got his fifth on the hour with a good finish from Jack's cross. 8. Ove Jaria has a tendency to spend spells of matches on the fringes of the action, but he grew into this encounter. Neat and tidy, and was unfortunate not to add to his goal tally. 7. Elas Gezda, winger was back in the starting 11, and switched between right and left as he interchanged with Middleton early on. Hasn't made much of an impact at Ibrox, but this was his best performance to date, as he opened his account with a drinking run and low finish. Headed home his second from a Travernier cross. 8. Glenn Middleton, shone on his European debut against Spartak, and will now look to establish himself in the coming weeks after another eye-catching showing. Capped off a fine finish to make it 4-1. Direct running got the crowd off their feet, and corner delivery is a noticeable upgrade for Rangers. 8. Alfredo Morelos put himself about and didn't shirk a challenge, as he led the line himself. Got his 15th goal of the campaign with a well-directed header from a Milton corner. Replaced early in the second half. 7. Substitutes. Gareth McCauley for Katic. Made his debut as a last-minute substitute in Russia, but got more game time here. Cruised through the second half as Motherwell never threatened. 6. Kyle Lafferty for Morelos. Back in light blue for the first time since the game of Kilmarnock last month and fired wide just minutes after taking over from Morelos. Couldn't get his name on the score sheet. 6. Serge Atakayi for Middleton. Youngster was handed his competitive debut off the bench, but made an early exit through injury. 2. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Chris Jack. This is an article from the Evening Times. 9th of November 2018. Leave alone, your water bills could be going up. Currently there is a 25% discount for single occupancy households, the same as with council tax. A consolation has ended up changing the discount system from 2021 in which the government said there was no justification for providing discounts for single-person households. Instead, it wants to double the water charge discount for people who get full council tax rebate on 50%. Nicola Sturgeon was challenged on the proposals of First Minister's questions by Labour MSP Jackie Valley. Miss Sturgeon said there was no proposal and that no decision had been taken on the consultation. She said we are currently reviewing the responses on the consultation but crucially any detailed changes to charging policies would be a subject to further consultation with customers and stakeholders in the course of next year prior to the implementation in the 2021 to 2027 period. I stress that absolutely no decisions have been taken on the issue. 
In a consolation document for Scottish Government states, there was no service-related cost justification for providing discounts for sales occupancy of vacant properties. Whilst these properties may use less water, most costs in industry are fixed in the form of pipes and another infrastructure, and drainage costs are not dependent on a number of occupants. Many single-person households do not face issues of affordability, for discount is therefore simply to subside to them for other customers. It added ministers therefore consider that there is a strong case for reducing or removing these discounts. Ms Bowley said, in effect for government is proposing a cut with discount on that basis, will the First Minister rule out now any cut to the single person discount for water? No one would dispute the need to help the poorest more, but the government should not fund that by taking money from the lone pensioners on fixed incomes who equally are struggling. She also said people will be worried that this is a thin end of a wedge and the council tax discount could be at risk and ask for an assurance that would not be scrapped. The government said the single person discount costs £85 million and is rising the number of single household increases. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Evening Times. This Audio Talking Newspaper Digest was a Q&Review and Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q&Review and, Review and the producer was Rhiannon McInnes. Q&Review Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity. Number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976.